Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki season two is marvelous, great, and it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Folks, trade deadline day. Montreal Canadiens made a few moves. They also had to play a game later that day in which they lost 3-2 to two in overtime to the Boston Bruins. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am excited about the future of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, we'll get to that. Let's let's talk a little bit about that game first because, look, this was a much closer game than I expected to see. Uh, the Habs lost some bodies, right? We know this. They, they lost some bodies that would normally be able to help them in a game like this, particularly Arturi Lekkonen, right? And they still managed to take the Bruins, uh, an actual playoff team, to overtime. How do they do it? Well, we start the game out with... Uh, <laughs> Pretty early in the game, one of the more ridiculous things that you're going to see, Brad Marchand, the rat, as he shall henceforth be referred to as, he gets cross-checked by Alexander Romanov. And there's no doubt it was a cross-check, but what a dive by Marchand. I mean, he sold that like his life depended on it. He sold it like it was a piece of real estate, that his retirement hinged on it. Uh, just a ridiculous dive from him. I mean, he didn't even need to. He, the, that cross-check was going to get called because it was up above the shoulders. It was almost on his head, uh, like right around the back of his neck. I mean, it was more of a push, but, I mean, it was going to get called anyways. Why are you diving? Give it up. Uh, anyways, the Habs managed to kill it off, and the penalty kill actually looked great. Fantastic. And Brad Marchand would take a penalty of his own later on. Justice. But unfortunately, uh, justice was very short-lived. Right after Marchand gets out of the box, uh, there's a two-on-one for the Bruins. It doesn't go, but Corey Schooneman, I'm calling him Corey this time. I know I'll call him Joel last episode because I do that sometimes. Corey Schooneman falls pretty hard into the end boards and creates odd numbers for the Bruins. Uh, Marchand, wide open at the side of the net, makes it one nothing for Boston. We go into the second period. Not a great second for the Habs in the beginning. Uh, they got better as that period went on, but what can you expect? Again, they're missing a lot of bodies. Uh, but they were, I would argue, better than I expected, right? What did I say? What can you expect? Well, I expected worse than what I saw, honestly. 
and uh, Jonathan Drouin gets his hand hooked on a breakaway. Uh, no call. Should have been a penalty shot. Now well, we're not calling that one, apparently. More on that later. They do know how to call uh, the penalties on the Bruins, though. Surprisingly, they know how to do that. Delayed hooking call coming against the Bruins, and Alexander Romanov throws it across to David Savard. He works his way down and throws a backhand through traffic upstairs, beats Swayman, and makes it 1-1. We go into the third period with a tie game. Bruins pretty heavily out shooting the Habs. Uh, you could definitely argue that they were being uh, they were outplaying them as well, but uh, the Habs in this thing. In this thing, in large part, thanks to Jake Allen. And the third period was the Jake Allen show, folks. He was absolutely fantastic. Pretty much for the entire game, I would argue. But in the third period in particular, he made a number of really impressive saves. And the Habs, early in that period, do get a lead as well. They get a 2-on-0, less than two minutes into the frame. While shorthanded, I should add. And Yoel Armia... He elects not to spread out and make a pass. He elects to just take this as a straight-up breakaway. Deeks goes to the forehand. Roof daddy. And it's 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens. They have a lead in a game that they have no business sniffing a lead. And from there, man, Jake Allen really took over that period. I mean, it could have been over in the third with the amount of chances that Boston was getting. Montreal's kind of sitting on that one-goal lead. Uh, just some absolutely absurd saves. Absurd saves. He made one on uh, Brad Marchand. There was, it was a pretty similar play where they had odd numbers, kind of like the goal that Marchand got in the first period, where he's just standing at the side of the net uncovered, and Allen sticks the pad out and just absolutely robs him. You love a good toe save. We love a good toe save, don't we all? And Jake Allen in that period, man, I, I cannot say enough about his game. Uh, you know, I was here last episode talking about maybe trading him, and they didn't do that. And tell you what, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong about that. But uh, maybe, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs watched that game and said, shit. You know, we should have opened up the vault and uh, given whatever we possibly could to get Jake Allen because the way he's playing looks like he could definitely help you in a playoff run. But alas, he did not get traded. And of course, just under three minutes to play, Connor Clifton gets left completely alone on the left side of the slot. He puts it in, makes it 2-2, two to two, and we're going to overtime. Overtime does not last long. Uh, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki have a bit of a miscommunication in the offensive zone. Bruins get the puck, start going up ice. And it's Cole Caulfield trying to defend a two-on-one. Brad Marchand comes in as a trailer. They leave it for Marchand. He deeks uh, at the speed he was coming in there. Very nice deke by him, by the way. No chance for Jake Allen. And that's it. That's the game. Now, what did I say? I said more on that hook on Jonathan Drouet later. Right? The hook was on a breakaway. Right? Drouet was about, I don't know, five, six feet away from the net when the hook was on his hands. Yet, in the third period, they called Cole Caulfield for an almost identical hook like 30 feet away from the net. So I ask you, where is the fucking consistency with NHL officials? Just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Alexander Romanov got called for tripping. Uh, I think it was in the second period because he missed a hit. He literally missed a hit and I think it was McAvoy. Uh, maybe it wasn't McAvoy. I'd have to go back. Anyways, you can go and see it, actually, on my Twitter account. I have a GIF. There I go, plugging my Twitter one more time. Um, he didn't even land the hit, and he definitely didn't trip him. Buddy was just trying to go around, and he like put up his back leg to try and get around Romanov and avoid the hip check. And in the process, he just kind of left his leg up in the air, 
Don't know why he left it up there as long as he did and as high as he did, but he ended up falling, and the ref calls Romanov two minutes for tripping. Now, it didn't hurt the Habs, right? Penalty calls overall, I mean, the, the Habs did a really good job killing penalties in this game. The Bruins didn't get any power play goals. But my beef with officiating is not necessarily that they're affecting the game. It's that they appear to be trying to and that they have no semblance of consistency whatsoever. There was co- coincidental minors called in the third period on Jake Evans, and um, and that time it it was McAvoy, wasn't it? It was Evans and McAvoy, I believe, jousting with each other on the boards, right? Evans is coming in, he dumps the puck, and then McAvoy pins him against the board and holds him there. So that's a holding penalty. And you could It's either holding or interference. It's one of the two. Right, so he starts the whole thing, and then of course they're jousting with each other a little bit, but the ref just takes both of them. I mean, at that point the Habs had a lead, right? So I wonder, did the lead have anything to do with the fact that they decided to take both instead of correctly call McAvoy in the first place for his penalty? I don't know. The most maddening one for me is the two almost identical hooks, one of them being on a breakaway. You didn't call the one on the breakaway, but you called the one that was up near the blue line. That doesn't make any sense. Either they're both hooks, in which case Drouin gets a penalty shot, or neither of them are. Make, your, make up your mind, right? Establish a standard and call that fucking standard. This is something that NHL officials are completely incapable of doing. They make it up as they go. And, of course, it mostly benefited the Bruins on this night, but luckily the Montreal Canadiens had good penalty killing, so I'm not going to spend any more time on it because it didn't really impact the result of the game. It just bothers me to continually see this over and over and over again in the NHL. This is supposed to be the highest level of hockey. It should also be the highest level of officiating. But I digress. Silver lining. Who do you think I'm going to give that to? We got to go with Jay Gallon. And maybe the silver lining here is really the overall trade deadline of the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit afterwards. I know we already had a podcast come out with Jared and Patrick Bexel earlier on today that you can listen to um, on Spotify and all the other platforms that we're on. But I will give my thoughts on it after this. I got to talk about Jake Allen first, though. Jake Allen, what a game. Remember, last episode, I was sitting here talking about how I felt like the Habs should trade him, right? After that performance, and after they obviously didn't move him during the deadline, um, I'm, I'm not so sure if I was right about that. I'm, I'm looking at the way he's playing, and you, you look at his contract, it's very reasonable. It's incredibly reasonable. He might be a better, if you're going to trade him, it might be a better thing to do it in the offseason. When you have a team that, let's say, they get goalied in the playoffs, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who I mentioned earlier. Let's say the Leafs go into these playoffs, they get absolutely goalied, Right? Losing the first round again. Comical for us as Habs fans, right? We get to see the Leafs, the Leafs lose another first round series. Uh, it would be comical for us. But outside of that schadenfreude, we would maybe have an opportunity there for the management of the Montreal Canadiens, which is to say, look, we have two goaltenders. Maybe our star goaltender is going to be back. Maybe take a look at what this guy did towards the end of the season. Take a look at what his contract is this season. What are you willing to give us in the offseason? Maybe at the draft, just ahead of the draft. I don't know. What are you willing to give us to have that on your team next year so that you don't lose in the first round? So that when you're getting goalied, you also have a goalie that can do the same thing to the other team. I don't know, man. Um, I was sitting here wondering if it was the best thing to do to trade him at the deadline and maximize on that asset. But 
I mean, if he keeps playing like this in front of a last place team, if he plays games like that, where he drags the Habs to an overtime, again, drags them to an overtime in, in a game where they really had no business sniffing a lead, it could have been 5-2 to two for the Bruins easily by the end of the third period. But it wasn't because of Jake Allen. So I got to eat crow and admit that maybe I was wrong. And maybe the best time to trade him is going to be in the offseason. Uh, or maybe the best time is not at all. He's pretty goddamn good. I mean, if, if Carey Price, God forbid, uh, can't come back because of his injuries, or if he wants to get a trade in the offseason himself, maybe he wants to go to Seattle and they can work something out, I would hate to see it. But if, if either one of those two things happens, either he can't come back or he wants to leave for his own reasons, you could do a heck of a lot worse than Jake Allen as your starting goaltender. He's clearly starting caliber, right? My thing is, if we're keeping Price, I think you kind of have to move him. I don't think it's fair to him to say you're just going to be a backup because I think he's better than that. I think he's a starting caliber goaltender. I think he's proven that, and uh, I, I think he deserves the chance to, if, if it's not going to be with Montreal, he deserves the chance to do it somewhere else. So uh, he gets your silver lining of the night because, let's face it, they, they're not. they're probably not almost definitely not in that overtime period without what he did, particularly in the third. Uh, again, I hate to plug my Twitter for a, a second, and I'll do it again at the end of the episode as well, but a second time for now. If you go on my Twitter, you can see a few different highlights of him on the night. Uh, he was really, really good. So silver lining of the night, uh, you know, they didn't trade him, and maybe they'll get a better deal if they want to trade him in the offseason. Now, want to end this off with a few thoughts of my own about the trade deadline. I, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm excited about the future of the Montreal Canadiens. When you take a look overall, right, at what they got, trading Tyler Toffoli, Ben Sherratt, Brett Kulak, and Arturi Lekkanen. I've said many times, Arturi Lekkanen was one guy I really didn't want to see them trade. But when you look at what they got for those four bodies going out, you have, to, you have to be excited. There's a lot of draft picks there. There's a couple of prospects that might be able to pan out. You know, They have clearly embraced the idea of rebuilding. And not only have they embraced the idea of rebuilding, they appear to be set to make this a quicker rebuild than you might think. You know, When you say rebuild, a lot of people think, Jesus, we're in for five, six years with no playoffs. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's what they're aiming for. When I look at them adding all these picks in, to, to, in this upcoming draft this summer and also in 2023, I mean, some of those players are going to be able to jump into your lineup sooner than later, especially if they're bad next year. Right? If they're bad again next year, you have another high pick. They have multiple first-rounders in 2022 and in 2023. There are rumors about them maybe going out and getting a guy like Patrice Bergeron in the offseason. I don't know if that's true. None of us knows, right? But when you look at the fact that this team needed a rebuild, they have committed to it, and I think the moves they've made indicate that they're going to be closer than we think. Kent Hughes has been going after some established prospects, right? He's not necessarily just going after the draft picks. He's also going after slightly older prospects. You know, that 19 to 21 22-year-old type range where these guys might be able to slot into your lineup sooner than later. Add a couple of free agents, and who knows? Maybe they might be decent next year. And maybe the year after that, they'll actually be good. 
I don't know how long it's going to take. But with the moves that they've made, I think most people around the league right now are saying that they won this trade deadline. At least most people around the league are saying that they had a very good trade deadline. If they're not saying that the Habs are winners, they're definitely saying they did well. They made out well. And look, that's all you can ask for. I'm happy that they've committed to the rebuild, and I'm happy that, as far as I'm concerned, it looks like it's going to be quicker than we thought. So with that being said, I'm going to end it off. We are running today over 15 minutes, close to 16. So, soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT. There's the third plug for you. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. We'll be back for the next game on Thursday night against Ben Sherratt and the Florida Panthers. So until then, à la prochaine.